Hi guys, welcome back to my podcast, Adventures with Abigail. This is episode 13 of season 2 of my podcast, and in this episode I'm going to be talking about the love of God and the healing and redemption that He can bring. This episode is going to be a little bit more on the serious side, um, and I'm not exactly sure everything that I'm going to be talking about yet. I'm just kind of going to let God lead as I'm talking in this episode, but I'm definitely going to be talking about the healing that God can bring into traumatic moments. So as you're getting ready to listen to this, just be prepared and um, make sure that you're with the correct audience if if you're with anybody listening to this. So, um, before I begin, I just wanted to say that a lot of my inspiration for this episode has come from a movie called The Heart of Man. It's a Christian kind of documentary film slash, um, like a prodigal son type film, and it's amazing. I highly, highly recommend this movie. It's called The Heart of Man. It has a lot of, um, fairly famous, like, Christian people in it, um, and so if you watch it, you'll probably recognize a few of the names that pop up, and it's just a life-changing movie. Like, I, ever since I've seen that movie, I have never looked at God the same, and I haven't looked at my past experiences the same. Like, this movie is incredible. Um, so this is not, not everything that I'm saying is original. Some of it is just things that God has revealed to me, um, and some of it is things that I've learned and stuff, but a major, um, inspiration for this episode is from that movie, which I highly, highly, highly recommend. Um, it's free on Amazon Prime, I believe, so if you have that, please go watch it. It will literally change your life. Um, but if you don't have Amazon Prime, it's $3 on their website, on the Heart of Man website, and it's worth it. Like, it's 100% worth it. Even if the movie was like $12, I would still recommend it to every single one of you because it's, it's literally a life-changing movie. Um, so anyways, enough, enough advertisement for that movie. Um, please, disregard my slightly sleepy voice. I'm recording right now at like 10.30 at night, um, <laughs> and I have a little bit of a sniffle, so sorry for that. My new mic, I'm sure, is picking up every single little detail of my snot. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess I'll just jump right into it. Um, let's see, how do I want to start this? I'm going to pray a second, guys. (laughs) Um, I think we need to start with the foundational truth that God knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows every single detail that makes up who we are. He knows every hair on our head. He knows every bone in our body. He formed us. Um, He hand-knit us. He knows every single detail about us. And there's no place on the entire world where we can go to avoid his presence. There's nowhere that we can go that's out of sight to him. You know, we, 
before I jump into this, I want to make sure that we have an understanding that there is nowhere that we are hidden from God. And that's where, like, we're approaching that from both a sinful standpoint of there's nowhere we can go and do sinful things that God won't be able to see. Like, when we are doing things that we shouldn't be doing, and while we are sinning, he can see us and he can, like, we're not out of his sight, you know, even when we are being completely secretive with our sin. And even when we think we're doing a great job at hiding, he can see and he knows where we are in that moment. Not to scare you and not to condemn you. It's just a fact that we need to understand before we move on. Um, but then also from a standpoint of if you are feeling lost or if you're feeling lonely or alone, he knows where you are. He sees you. You're not out of his sight. You're not hidden from him. He can find you. You Even when you think you are in the darkest, most lost place of your life, he can still find you and he still knows where you are and he still knows who you are. Um, so we need to understand that. And then we also need to understand that we were designed to be his children. There, there is something so deep rooted within us that desires to have a father who is loving and comforting and protecting. And not all of us had a good father growing up. And so we we seek we seek for that love and that comfort and other things. But no matter if you had a good father or a bad father, there's something deep down inside of us that wants a father, that wants that that feeling that you get when you crawl up into your father's lap and he just holds you in your his arms um and we we base our picture of god off of our father figures in our lives so the, the way that we see God and the way that we look at him and who we think he is, a, a lot of our image, I would say maybe 80%, maybe 90% of who we think God is comes from our earthly fathers, if that makes sense. So, the, so if you had a really kind, loving father, you might be able to look at God and say, yes, God is so loving and God is so compassionate and caring. And I know that God sees me. But if you had an angry father who was very loud and um, upset and um, disappointed in you, you might look at God and think that you are never enough for God, that you will never amount to his standards, that that he does not love you no matter how hard you try. So we have to understand that God, God, God's face, the face that we put on God, a lot of it comes from our earthly fathers. So we need, if you, um, if you think of God 
as an angry father, you need to examine your earthly relation, your father, your relationship with your earthly father, and find out if you think that way because of how your earthly father acted. I hope that I'm making sense. Um, I, yeah, I really hope that I'm making sense. There's just some things that we come into contact with in, during our lifetimes that pervert our image of God. And so, I mean, of course, there are things, good things that happen early on in our lives that make us see God in a really good light. But I mostly want to be focusing on the negative things right now, which I know is not fun, but we, I think it needs to be done. Um, so I think that there are things that we come into contact with, things that are done to us, things that we do that warp the way we see God and change our perspective of who a godly father is. Um, not, not a godly biological father, who our heavenly father is. Um, and there are things that happen to us in our lifetime that we don't even realize how much it has affected us. Um, and so I think it's really important to take a second and, or take a moment throughout this podcast and evaluate what is your perspective of God? What is your image of God? And what has happened in my lifetime to make me see him that way? And what has happened to me that has affected me and my relationship with God that I haven't even realized has affected me? And I haven't even realized has warped my relationship with the Lord. Um, so I know that I kind of said that I really want to be focusing on more negative things, and that's not because I want to be a Debbie Downer, and it's not because I want to make you guys sad or something, um, but I really am hoping one of my goals with this podcast is that somebody listening to this, at least one person listening to this, can experience some level of freedom or peace or healing of some sort. Um, so today I mostly want to be speaking to the people who feel that God is mildly disgusted with them. The people who never truly felt like God loves them. Maybe you've been told that, oh, God loves me, or you've read it somewhere, God loves me, but you don't really feel it. You don't actually think that God loves you. Um, I want to be speaking to the people that feel so ashamed and so unworthy of the love of God that you are afraid to come into contact with him. So now let's take a look at shame a little bit. Shame is that feeling that we get whenever we've done something bad and then you're, you don't want people to look at you. It's that feeling that there is something wrong with me. There's something ugly underneath my skin. And if someone can see it, if someone could 
if someone could see the ugliness inside of me, they wouldn't even be able to bear being near me. That that feeling that I am so disgusting and so unworthy of love that I cannot even bear the idea of being in relationship with people. Um, so now we need to figure out where does shame come from? And obviously, shame comes from sin and um, doing things that we regret and making mistakes. But there's also this very strange and unexpected moment where shame can enter whenever we're the victim also. Um, and so I, I don't want to like alarm anybody, um, or like make you feel uncomfortable, but let's talk about sexuality a little bit. And I know this is a very taboo thing to talk about, especially in the church today. It's very untouched. It's the subject that nobody wants to talk about because it's very, very uncomfortable. But let's talk about it. Um, the rest of the world is talking about it, so why aren't we, church? You know? Um, so, shame, if you're struggling with an addiction with pornography, shame can absolutely enter into that moment and it can definitely take over but there's also a form of shame that comes in whenever you're being the victim of a sexual assault or being molested and it's so it's so warped the way that Satan can hurt somebody so easily. Um, abuse and especially sexual abuse brings evil so much joy because it brings so much shame into such a painful moment. And especially when we're talking about sexuality, that is such an intimate, vulnerable piece of who we are. And God designed our sexuality to be beautiful. God designed our, God designed our, who we are to be something so special and unique and beautiful. And God made sex. He made it different genitalia with a purpose. And it's, he made it to be a, a beautiful experience between a husband and wife. And Satan has taken that and he's warped it so much and in the middle of bringing so much pain through a sexual assault he's able to also bring so much shame and so the the return that satan can make off of bringing people shame in the middle of their sexuality is can last a lifetime because if we look at it from a perspective of how long does it take to introduce somebody to pornography? It may be five minutes. And how long does that shame last? That shame can last for a lifetime. How long does it take to sexually abuse somebody? Literally seconds. And that shame lasts for a lifetime. And so that 
that moment, that idea of destroying something so beautiful that God designed. God designed us with sexuality to be such an intimate detail of who we are. And Satan knows that he can take that and warp it so easily and so quickly, and it will affect those people for literally the rest of their lives. And so looking at it from Satan's perspective, that is something so easy for him to do. And so such a, um, I don't want to say the word good, but it's such a, for him, for Satan, it's a great avenue for him to get in and tear apart the very threads of who God designed us to be. Um, and so we have these two different aspects of sexuality. We have the sin side of sexuality, you know, being trapped in a pornography addiction or, um, adultery or, um, just looking for sexual pleasure in other people. And then we have the other side of sexuality that Satan can change, which is sexual abuse and molestation and victimizing people with their sexuality, using their sexuality against them. Um, and so I think let's talk about the sin side first. When we're in the middle of a sin, when we're in the middle of being trapped in pornography or um, having sex outside of a marriage, we need to understand that God is not disgusted with us. He's not ashamed of us. He's not afraid of our sin, and he doesn't want to distance himself from us in that moment. When we're in the middle of sin, when we feel completely broken and disgusting and ashamed of our behavior, God is reaching out to us. He, he's calling out to us. We're always worried that our sin will disqualify us from experiencing God's love. And we're worried that when we're entrenched in a sin, sinful behavior, Jesus doesn't want to be near us that he wants to distance himself from us. But we need to understand that in those moments where we feel trapped, where we literally feel like we're in prison, that our sin is surrounding us and trapping us and chaining us to the ground, Jesus walks into the door and invites us to leave. He, there's a, he opens the door for us to exit and leaves it open, leaves it unlocked and says that we can leave anytime we want. And in those moments when we choose to run from Christ and into the darkness, he's with us. He's not, he's not angry. He's not disgusted with us. He's not mad. He's not upset with us. But in those moments, literally in the middle of an act of sin, Jesus is looking at us, and he's not mad or upset, but he loves us in that moment. And 
Um, I think one of the most beautiful things that I've ever heard is that even when we're in the middle of sin, he's not demanding that we stop. He's demanding that we invite him into that moment so that he can help us understand how we got into that moment. Um, another thing that I wanted to talk about was the aspect of going back to the sexual abuse a little bit um, and just the, the victimization of our sexuality and how, how God can bring healing into that moment. Um, one of the things that I've always wondered is if, if God is good and if God loves us and he's looking out for us, then why does he let bad things happen to us? Like, why doesn't God just stop other people from hurting us, you know? Um, and when I was in Germany, actually, one of my friends and I, my friend Havila, actually, who I talked about in my last episode, we were um, walking through the city one night. It was kind of, it wasn't late, but it was getting dark. The sun was going down. Um, and we were walking through the city one night, and there were these two men that we felt like we were supposed to get, tell our testimonies to them. And so we just, well, they actually approached us and were flirting and trying to get us to come with them to a party. And then we felt like we were supposed to share our testimonies with them and try and tell them about the love of Christ. So these guys come over and they're like flirting and trying to get us to come to a party with them and stuff. And we were like, um, actually, I know something better than a party. I know Jesus. Um, and anyways, we ended up having conversation with those men for quite a while, probably up to almost an hour. Um, and towards the end of the conversation, it started to get a little bit, um, I wouldn't say scary, but it was, they were getting more and more persistent that we came with them to the party. And we were trying to walk away and they were kind of following us and not quite letting us leave the conversation. And we were trying to get out of it and we find nothing bad happened. We finally did manage to lose them and they, and we never saw them again, actually. Um, but on our way back after the conversation, me and Havla were talking and I was just saying like, I, while we were having that conversation with those men, there was a point where I was like thinking to myself, if something bad does happen, what will I do? You know, if one of these guys tries to grab me or Havila and take off with us, what, what's going to happen? You know, how will I react? What will I do to protect us, to keep us safe? What can I do? And while I was thinking about, you know, a strategy to, if, if things turned south, which they did not, they, thankfully they did not, but if things did turn south, I was having these strategies run through my mind of where's the nearest police station? Where can I, 
Where can I run to the quickest to get help? What, what, how can I easily get away from these men? You know, things like that. How am I going to be able to help Havila get out of this situation? And, um, I kind of like came to this point where I was thinking about all these things and my escape plan was running through my mind. And then I was like, what happens if these men, if I cannot get away from them? If Havila and I cannot run away from them, like, what happens if these men rape us? And I know that it's so morbid and it's so, of like, a very violent thought, but it was something that crossed my mind. And I had that thought, and then immediately after, I had the thought of God is still good. If... If I am raped in this moment, I know that my God is still good. And that was a jarring thought. And we were talking about that on the way back. And I told her that I had that thought. And Havala looked at me and said I had the exact same thought. And we were talking about that on the way back. And I asked, I was just telling her, like, one of the things that I've always wondered is, if bad things happen to us, how is God still good? And why doesn't he stop them from happening? And Havala looked at me and she said, the other people also have free will. So, so whenever bad things happen, like rape, for example, there's the victim and there's the assailant. Both of those people have free will. And if God stepped into that moment and took away the assailant's free will and forced that person to stop raping their victim, would God still be a good God? Would he still be a just and righteous God for taking away somebody else's free will? And I think about it from my perspective. If I was about to sin, or even if I was just about to do something that wouldn't be nice, and God suddenly forced me to stop and took away my free will, and I had no choice, that would not be just. And when we were talking about that, and when she said that to me, I <laughs> I was just blown away. So that doesn't, that doesn't make all of the bad things that have happened okay. I'm not saying that rape is permissible because the rapists have free will. I'm not saying that sexual assault is okay because those abusers have free will. But I am saying that God does not step into those moments and force them to stop for a reason. Because we have choice. And that's one of the beautiful things about love is that we have a choice to love. You know, it's if God took away our choice to love and we had no choice, then would it even would it even matter? Would it even still be love? Um, you know, it, God gave us freedom to love people. And I mean, I know that <laughs> I know that sinning is not equal to loving people, but we're talking about free will here. And God gave us 
free will to do bad, but he also gave us the freedom to love people. And if he took away that free will and took away our choice and said, you have no choice, then, then what's the point to saying yes? If we have no choice to say no, then what's the reason to say yes? Um, so I, I hope that I'm making some sense to you guys. It's getting pretty late and all of my thoughts are kind of just running around in circles and not making any sense, but I hope that this is ministering to you guys at least. So I want to go back to the character of God and the character of Satan. I think going going way back to the beginning of the podcast when I was talking about how we tape our biological father's face onto our heavenly father's face. For some of us, the character of Satan has more certainty than the character of God. We don't understand how our God thinks or if he loves us, we don't know if we can trust him, we don't know who he is, but we always know where we stand with Satan. And so, I, I think I want to make sure we have a good foundation of the character of God. Um, I, I've heard tons and tons and tons of stories of people that have had really bad earthly fathers, people that have had abusive, angry, alcoholic, beef, like horrible, horrible, horrible earthly fathers that just did not represent the love of a father well. And those people that have had those horrible fathers, I've, they've told me that they put the face of their earthly father onto the face of God. And so because their earthly father was angry, they look at God as an angry God. Or because their father was unloving, they look at God as an unloving God. Or because their father was untrust untrustworthy, they look at God as an untrustworthy God. And so I want to tear all of those lies apart and let's understand how much God loves us. He loves us so much that even in the middle of our sin, he doesn't want to leave us alone. He doesn't want to abandon us. Even in the middle of the most shameful acts, he wants to be let into that moment just to love us and help us get us get us out of that moment. And when we destroy the lives that God has given us, he builds us new ones. He creates beauty from our ashes. And when we feel trapped in our pain and our shame and our sin, he loves us too much to let us stay trapped there. And when we don't want him, he still pursues us. And when we're running from him, he follows us. And I think one of the things that 
if God could be speaking to us right now. Imagine that, imagine that God is speaking to you right now. I think this is something that a lot of us would be surprised that he would say. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not here to judge you or change you. All the judgment has already been taken care of. What I want is for you to know me. You are my delight. So we need to understand that when we embrace who God sees us as, rather than who we see ourselves as, we really start to tap into the true joy and peace that God has in store for us. And when we are willing to give our shame to him, we can recognize that our significance comes from who we are. Our significance comes from the way that God has created us. Our significance comes from the things that God has in store for us, not from what we've done. And there's that constant thought in the back of our minds that God will turn his face away from us because of our inability to live up to his expectations. We think that we think that we are not good enough for God, and so he will not look at us. We think that we are not worthy of his love, and so he can't even stand to be near us. And that is a lie. That's not true. It's 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 just not true. That's not the character of God. He desires relationship with us. He desires to be near to us no matter what we've done because we're his children. And he has come into our lives and he sent his son to this world to set us free so that we can be fully human and fully alive and fully in relationship with him. Excuse me, I just burped. <laughs> Even in the middle of our sin, he wants to be near us. And he, he doesn't want to conform us. I think a lot of us have grown up with a really religious spirit or background. I mean, not all of us, but most likely, if you're a Christian and you grew up in a Christian household, you probably grew up with some sort of idea that when we die, God will judge us. And during our lives, he wants to conform us to his standards and he wants to change us into almost like his perfect little minion minion um and that's that's not true that's not that's not the character of god he doesn't want to conform us he wants to transform us he wants to bring new life into us he wants to grow something alive in us. And even when we think that we are so far gone and so dead and there is no way that anything good can come from us, God wants to bring beauty from those ashes. There's nothing so dead that God can't grow something living in it. I think... Um, one of my, not I think, <laughs> ignore that. <laughs> one of my most favorite things about God is that he, he feels my sorrow. 
and he collects my tears. Um, I actually, a few years ago, I was kind of, um, just having a conversation with God, and I was talking, I was crying a lot, and I was talking to him about just things that were going on in my life, and, um, then I started thinking about that scripture that talks about God collecting our tears, and I was just kind of sitting, being quiet, listening to what God was saying, and I saw this picture, this image, kind of flash up into my mind, and it was this little bottle with a little cork on top of it, full of some liquid. It was just like a clear, clear liquid, and God told me that those were my tears, and he collected those, and he made sure that he had every single one of my tears that I had ever cried. And I love that so much. That's such a beautiful picture because the fact that God takes the time to collect every single one of my tears means that my pain means something, that my my sorrows actually have significance, that the things that I'm going through are not, are not, pushed aside by God. He doesn't ignore those things. He notices and he feels the pain that I'm going through. And that's just such a beautiful picture to me of the redemption that can happen in even the most shattered parts of who we are. And even even in the most broken and bruised and battered pieces of who we are, God wants to bring redemption. And he wants to bring healing and he wants to bring peace and joy and restoration and comfort. And it's, oh, I just, I just love that picture so much of God being so attentive to us that he wants to collect our tears. The paradox of the love of God is that when you are experiencing the love of God, when you're living in the love of God, for me, for me, when I'm living in the love of God, I, I am more whole than I have ever been. And yet, at the same time, I'm more broken than I've ever been and more in need of God's grace and his mercy and his, his patience. And it, ah, oh, guys, it's just so beautiful to me that we are we are mere specks in the dust. We are literally nothing, and yet God chooses to focus in on us, and he chooses to love us, and to use us, and to speak to us, and to have community with us, and relationship with us. And I, I want you guys to understand that you matter to God. The things that you go through matter to God. And when we are trapped in sin, when we're trapped in addiction, when we're trapped in lust, he sees that and he wants to help that. He wants to help you be broken free and he wants to be let into that moment. He's not ashamed of you. He's not disgusted with you. He's not angry with you. He loves you. And he wants to be allowed into that moment so that he can help you 
understand what's going on. And he's not demanding that you stop. He's not demanding that you fix yourself. He's not judging you. He's just asking to be let in. He's just asking to be made a part of that moment. And when we are broken beyond repair, and when we feel like there is no hope, and there is no way God would ever want us, he, he seeks us out. He follows us. He searches for us. When we go to the darkest places and we hide and we try to get away from him, he's pursuing us. He wants us. He wants to be in relationship with us. Going back to the beginning of the podcast a little bit, one of the very first things I said was that there is no place we can go to avoid the spirit and the presence of the Lord. There's no place. There's no area on this entire earth that we could hide from God. He knows every single detail of our heart. He knows every single detail of this world. And when we feel so lost and so far away, he leaves the 99 to come and find us. And I think one of the things that is very, very, very hard to wrap our minds around, but so good at the same time, is that God loves the sinner, and he loves the abused, he loves the victim, and he loves the abuser. So, when we are trapped in an addiction to pornography, God loves us. And when we are ashamed of our abuse, and we're ashamed of our molestation, God loves us. But he also loves the people that did the abusing. He loves the people that did the molesting. They're also his children. And I know that for some of you that might be really hard to hear. And it might make you angry. And it might make you want to slap me. But I want you to take a second and think, why is that making me angry? Why am I uncomfortable with this idea? We shouldn't be uncomfortable with the idea of God loving somebody who did something wrong. And I know it's very hard to wrap your mind around and to swallow. It's a very hard pill to swallow. But it's the truth. He loves all of us. Regardless of what we've done, he loves us for who we are, not the decisions that we've made. And I know this podcast has been kind of a hodgepodge of sporadic and random thoughts thrown across all these different places, and I haven't really had any 
clear direction or system or anything. Um, but I really, yeah, I just wanted to kind of get these random thoughts and points out because I, I feel like they, they need to be out. And I know right now we have a lot going on in our world, especially if you are American. Um, I'm, I have a lot of listeners from all over the world, but for those of you who are in America, there's a lot, a lot, a lot going on in our world right now. And I don't want to talk about the election. I don't want to talk about COVID. I just want to talk about pain and love and healing. And I hope that this episode has somehow spoken to you in some way or helped you in some way or at least impacted you somehow. And I'm probably going to go back and listen to this and realize that absolutely none of it makes sense because <laughs> it's so out of order and scattered all over the place. Um, but it's late. It's <laughs> after 11 o'clock. My brain has absolutely no system to it anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I... I want to challenge you guys to forgive the people that have hurt you. Forgive the people that have shattered parts of you that should never be shattered. If you've been sexually assaulted, I want to challenge you to forgive the person that sexually assaulted you. And not only forgive them, but I want to challenge you to love them. To love them the way that God loves them. To see them the way that God sees them. He died on the cross for them also. And if you've had a bad father, an abusive father, um, a father who set the wrong example of what Christ, of what God looks like, I want to challenge you to forgive him. And love him the way that God loves him. And I know it's not it's not easy. And I know that it's not a it doesn't sound like a fun thing to do. But if you are willing to forgive, then then you're also able to step into the healing that God has for you. So I know this episode has been really heavy and not very organized at all, but thank you guys so much for listening, and I really, really, really hope that it spoke to you some way, somehow, and um, I hope that you guys don't take my challenge lightly, but you actually consider it and actually pray about it, and I hope that this episode made you think. So... Yeah, I hope you have a good rest of your day or evening or whatever time it is while you're listening to this. And I will talk to you guys soon. Bye!